Hey, welcome back to another episode of Salty Saints Podcast. I am Zach, and today I have the pleasure of sitting here with my friend Richard. What's up, man? Not much. Not much. You doing all right? I'm good. Good deal, man. Um, Richard and I know each other because I cut his hair. Yeah. He's been coming to the barbershop for a while. Yeah. And uh, so for any of you who have heard me talk about Michael Heiser constantly, this guy is the reason why I am always (laughs) referencing Michael Heiser now. That's right. Uh, Yeah. I appreciate that, man. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so my name is Richard, Richard Mensah. Um, I'm originally from Ghana. If, I mean, if you're wondering where the accent came from, it came from, it came from Ghana, West Africa. Uh, but I've been in the United States for a while, uh, 14, 15 years, something like that. But uh, my background, I, uh, I was born a Muslim. Mm-hmm. So my family, you know, you know, Africa, we deal with extended family system. So once you are born, your your family, your mom, your uncles, aunties, everybody's in a house, something like that. Right. Uh, for some reason, so my dad wasn't a Muslim. My dad was a, a, a village chief, which means uh, uh, he wasn't really a Muslim. But he was uh, like in in America, he may say an Indian chief, something like that. Okay. He was a leader of his clan. And uh, he had several wives. My my mom was the third one. But uh, about two or so came up to my mom. So meaning he married about five wives or so. Okay. With some concubines. So, and the setup was that once a chief marries you, if you're lucky enough, he stays with you. If not, okay, he gets you a, a compound or a house, which is, uh, you know, fenced with something. So you stay there with, with your kid, and when he needs you, he comes over. So he had several wives, and he was going around, you know, right, like in turns, something like that. So I was kind of in between. My mother's side is Muslim. My father's side is kind of traditional worship. So when you say traditional worship, what Tra- do you mean? It's not like America, like conservative or something like that, no, but voodoo worship, something like okay. that. Okay, yeah. yeah. So my mom, my dad wasn't really, like, strict on me because there were so many kids. I was just one of them. Right. I think I was number 12, 13, something like that. And so he didn't exert much influence on me. Uh, but my mom's side is Muslim. My, my, mom, my mom's name is Hawa. I ha- we have Uncle Qasim, Uncle Hazrat. I was named after Hazrat. Okay. Anki Idris. Uh, my grandma is Adisa. Uh, Smila. Smila is passed on. Uh, so I was kind of in between my dad's house, my mom's house. So, uh, but in our system, when uh, a person gives birth, there's a saying that says that. Uh, you cannot see chicks or kids of, you know, chicken, babies mm-hmm. of chicken. Mm-hmm. You cannot see, you never see them after the rooster, walking after the rooster. So a rooster gives birth and the hen takes care of the kids. Where the rooster just kind of moves on. Yeah. Right. So the fathers were not really kind of responsible, but the fathers who take care of their nephews and nieces instead of their kids. It's interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. 
So because my dad didn't have much influence on me by then, my uncles were there. So they rather have me as Muslim. My dad named me Richard, but my uncles named me Hazrat. You know, it was a, it was a, a competition between Idris and Hazrat. And my uncle Hazrat won, so they, they named me Hazrat. Okay. I had that name for almost 20 years or something like that mm-hmm. until I became a Christian. And I went back to my Richard. So, uh, so on the Muslim side, I mean, in, in my village, uh, we, were, we were about 120 people in the village at that point in time. I, I counted back in 1984, we were about 120 people, including... Well, if you add, if it had added two little children who were born two weeks earlier, would have been 122 by then, okay. 1984 thereabout. Um, mostly Islam and the voodoo worship. People. Right. But I would say that, well, sometimes the lines were blurred. You didn't know who is a Muslim who is, because Muslims were doing what voodoo people would do. It all kind of became one culture. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. tradition has, has been mixed with the worship. The, sort the, the sort of Islam. like what's happening with Christianity yeah. in America, right? Yeah. 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 So uh, my uncles trained me, especially Hazrat and Idris, they trained me how to pray, took me to the mosque and stuff like that. Now that, their dad, my grandpa, Matana, Matana uh, granddad, who's also Idris, and his uh, cousin, old man, uh, Yakub, they were the Champions of the village, they were the head of the village. So if you had problems, that's where you go. And they were the staunch Muslim people. And uh, they made sure that they trained their kids to be Muslim, so their kids would train their kids to be Muslim. So my uncles made sure that I went to the mosque and did what Muslims do. And then for some reason, well, back in 1989, a man came to our village. I don't know where he came from, but later I got to know that he, his dad was related to one of uh, the old men over there. He was a seaman. Like he, went, he worked on the ship. So he traveled uh, all over the world, something like that. He came, but at this time he was a bit older, so he had kind of retired. He, came, he became a, a farm laborer. We, we, we are farmers. I mean, the village, everybody's a farmer in a, a village. And uh, he came to be a, a labor, farm laborer over there in the village. And he began to talk to people about Christ. This time I was in my teens. And we were one of the people who were supposed to challenge him. And we, we, we heard our Islam religion very high. So we challenged him. And it came to a point like every other Sunday in the evening between 3, 4, 5, there about, Old man Yakub, my grandpa Idris, they would organize kind of a debate because there was a, this guy was getting influence. Just a mere laborer was getting influence on people with his Christian message. So they organized the old old man Yakub and people organized kind of a uh, a crusade, uh, a kind of an Islam apologetics. I would say that right, right, to to explain well to us what. Islam was. Right, to, to defend, defend Islam it. against the, the, the Christian guy yeah. that's coming And out, right? this guy comes in, takes, all, takes on the whole team, 
of Muslims uh-huh. and, and kind of put them on the floor just like that. It got my attention. But I, I, I would have, uh, my uncles gave me Quran to read and stuff like the Eng- English version. And so I would go and read and get some point and come try to, you know, counter what he, he the guy would bring the next Sunday. And he would floor me again. So one one evening, it wasn't even actually, it was a Saturday. There are about 2 p.m. there about. I met him on the farm, uh, the farm road. And he called me. He said, he, then he began to talk to me about what my grandparents were doing and where it would land me. And that's when he, he began to tell me where he had been. And he was a cook on a ship. On a ship. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he, he had the paperwork too. So when they went to a city, when they, they uh, lodged at the city or something like that, because he was a cook, he, he, he was given the right paperwork to go into town to get grocery or something like that. So he would have the chance to buy books to read okay. on a ship. That was when he, he acquired his uh, Islamic books, Christian books, uh, what do you call it, uh, Muslim, uh, Hindu, Hindu yeah. those, those, those books. And he compared them, and he realized that Christianity was the best option. Okay. That was when he became a Christian because he uh, had a chance to be able to read. Not, people in my village don't really, really read. You know, they don't get, I mean, I was one of the few ones who got beyond middle school. So, and he was, I think he traveled, so he was able to, you know, be able to read. And now he comes back to kind of combat the Islamic stronghold. He's a missionary. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we talked, and I, he would say something, I would say something to counter, but Oh, it went on for like 12 months, almost two years. And then I had a chance to go to a high school. The high school was a, a, a Methodist school. And over there, uh, the Christian school, so they would, they would pray in the morning, sing hymns and stuff like that. I knew I was a Muslim, so I would just participate on the surface. But inwardly, I wasn't a Christian. But that, that, that was my only chance to go to school, so I went there. And uh, in the course of time, combining what the old guy was telling me and what I was hearing at the school got me thinking deeper. I said, uh, something might be amiss here. Because, for instance, as a Muslim, so the, I remember that guy told me, so if you say you were a Muslim, when you die, where are you going? I said, inshallah, Allah, Allah knows best. He would let me know where I need to go. And he asked me why. And I said, like, uh, you know, in, in Islam, we believe that there's a, a good angel on your right, right shoulder and a bad one here. Mm-hmm. So that's why when we pray, we, we turn our heads here and there, talking to the angels. Okay. And I, I made him know that, that guy, I made him know that my angels on my shoulder know what I'm doing. So in the last day, they're going to tell Allah what I did. So, I know, I'll let me know where I'm going. So he said, so it means you are not sure that you're going to heaven or hell. I said, Allah knows best. But that kept ringing in my head for months and months and months. I got to this secondary school, and they tell me that they are sure of their salvation, that when they die today, they know 
where they are going. One guy, Emmanuel, he stressed it that, Richard, when I die today, I'm going to heaven. I know. Do you know where you are going? So he was adding to what a guy had told me a few months earlier. So it, it got to a point I, I couldn't even sleep because what I'm hearing from my Muslim family and what these guys are telling me are at conflict. I mean, I don't know. What, I didn't know what to do. But this time I was like I wasn't. I think was, I was a junior in high school, and uh, I was kind of almost independent from my family because they they had not been been to school beyond middle school, and I had gone higher to high school. So they kind of respected me. What I, I said was the truth because I knew how to read. But then when I kind of pushed this idea to them that I began to ask questions, actually. I began to frame questions and ask them peacefully to know their mind about heaven and how sure are we that we're going to heaven. At the beginning, it was smooth and quiet, but Later on, things kind of turned out to be something else. And I was growing by this time. And at the age of 17, 18, I'm almost grown. I mean, in my village, people get married like 16 years, 15 years, something like that. But I'm beyond that. So now I'm kind of responsible. I'm growing. Uh, so it was hard for them to, to control me. But wherever, however chance they had, they wanted to deprive. They, they wanted to. They deprived me of certain things. Actually, it, it, it went ahead for several years. But uh, by the way, so I finally, one uh, guy whose name is Mark, he's still my friend. This back in 1993, I think it was in June. He said that uh, you've been asking questions at SU meetings. SU is Scripture Union on campuses. Once in a while, I was, I will kind of get in there to know what what they are doing, and when when it came to Bible studies, I'll be asking questions because at this time I didn't know where I was, so I was just asking questions here and there, here and there. So you're seeking, yeah, yeah. exactly. So Mark comes to me and said, "You've been asking questions at SU meetings. Now I go to Assemblies of God Church, and this week the uh, the pastor." There has invited some friends from Nigeria. Actually, then there was a Assemblies of God uh, College, Ministers College, in Southern Ghana, and so people who came there came from all over West Africa. And at this time, I think the pastor, the local Assemblies of God Church, had Nigerian friends, students in that Bible school. They had come over to the local church for a crusade or something like that. Mm-hmm. So the boy invited me to come and see if I would like it. So I went there on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I said, no, I want to be a Christian. From what I'm seeing, I want to be a Christian. So that was when I became a Christian. Uh, this was June uh, 1993. It was, uh, I don't remember the right name, but it might be some 17... 17th of June or something like that. I became a Christian, and I I, I loved it. That night, it, it, in the, the next two, three days, it was like I was already in heaven. I mean, the feeling was different. The feeling was different. But that also opened the door for kind of opposition in my family. Uh, 
but it, it was kind of an undertone. We don't like you here anymore. My mom loved me. My grandma loved me. My uncles didn't like me. So it was like undertone. Now I had declared that I was a, a, a born again Christian. I wasn't going to the mosque anymore, and I was challenging them. My grandpa uh, Idris was so sad because he said that was his favorite. My dad didn't care because he, he he doesn't care what's going on. So it was like that, uh, you know, undertone conflict here and there, and I had a chance to go to the to college, and that was it. That was my freedom because now I'm going to live on campus, and. Uh, no more control. I, I didn't need anything from my family. Right. Yeah. So, and I got a, I got a teaching job at a kindergarten while I was going to school because I was getting money. I mean, I could I would go and help my my grandma with the farming, but I would I didn't need it. I didn't need anything from them. So yeah, that that you're just doing it to help. Exactly. Right. Yeah. She was older. And she loved me. I loved her. So. She's still alive. She's over 100 years. She's still alive. So, yeah, that was my journey to becoming a Christian. I, when I got to college, I was so free to do whatever I needed to do. Right. Yeah. That's wild, man. Yeah. That's a lot. That was really good. Like, I, yeah, I wasn't expecting you to go to that great of detail. That was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, it sounds like there were a lot of factors that played together to get you there. Like, yeah. It was apologetics. Yeah. It was being around other Christians, seeing how they lived and yeah. how it was like it looked different. And yeah. you said it felt different. What felt different once you uh, became a Christian? Yeah. You know, pre- previously, like two, three years earlier, the guy, older guy in a family had, in a village had told me that, had asked me that, are you sure that you, when you die today, you're going to heaven? And another guy on, on, on campus, Emmanuel, had said that. But this night, it felt like what they were saying, that today, whatever happens today to me, I'm going to heaven. Wherever heaven is, I'm going to be with Christ. So it was kind of 1,000% assurance yeah. of, of, of your future. It didn't even care tomorrow because he knew where you were going, whatever happened to that tonight. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and I was, I, thought, I, I, I wished I had knew, I knew more Bible, more of the Bible by then. Because mm-hmm. I wanted to talk to people about what I was feeling. I wanted to talk to people about, you know, Christ. But I didn't know much. You didn't have the knowledge. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. But you could tell them about your experience, though. Exactly, yeah. That, yeah. Yeah. So did you use that? Like, I did. In the beginning? I did. And guess what? My uncle, Kasim. Kasim is the third third uh, uncle. And he was a Muslim? Was a Muslim. Is he still? No. He's now a Christian. That's awesome. He said now a Christian. And he was one of the... First ones to kind of persecute me, but now he's a now he's a Christian. He married a Christian, gave birth to, uh, birth to Christians. That's awesome, dude. Yeah, that's so cool. And his uh, younger brother uh, Ishmael mm-hmm. or Smiler, why well, he he's the one who passed. He also became a Christian. So my my direct uncles, two of them have become Christians. Two are still Muslims. They and their children are Muslims. Well, not all their children are Muslims. I've got uh, Mark. One of their sons, I've got Kwame. Yeah, Christians. I've got uh, Sharif, a Christian. Few, few are still Muslims, but we're working on it. You've converted a lot of your family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, ha- how have you done that, though? I don't know, but I think education was so part of it. Was also part of it. 
now had had gone had gone beyond elementary school, which was the barrier, which was the limit of education in my village. I had gone beyond that, going to high school, going to college. Okay, so the the thing is, was it because this guy went to school, uh, became a Christian, the Lord kind of blessed him to go this far? If that is the case, I want to be like that. Hmm. That that's what Mark told me, one of my cousins. That's what he told me. That I want to be like. Bro, Richard, I want to go that far, and Islam is not going to take me there, so I'm going to go by his route. Mm. That's what he told me. It could be the reason why the rest did. That's like a very, uh, like a almost like a proverb sort of answer, you know, like yeah. wisdom leads to good things, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. wisdom comes from Christ. Yeah. One thing, Muslims are combative yeah. for some reason. For some reason, we are com- so combative. But after that, uh, this is what my mom told me, that after you becoming a Christian, you became less combative. You were not like, there were a, po- a point in time that teenagers and you know, young people would gather, gather together and go and fight people in another village. I wasn't taking part in that. So he, she saw the difference. And of course, my younger siblings are Christians now. So on my mother's side, I was the elder, eldest son my sister, my younger brother, they all followed me to Assemblies of God Church. We are Christian. They marry Christians. They give it to Christian kids. So my mom, so uh, for my mom and my grandma, they remained, so my, my, my mom, because he married, she married a, a voodoo person. She was also like this, like that. But my, my grandma was still a, a Muslim until 2018 when I went home. That's the last time I went home. My my. Target was to get them converted. And before I left, they were converted. This is 18th, December, 18th of December, 2019. 18, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Right before Christmas. I set them down that this is this and that and that. And I, I, I told them, I went to 1 Corinthians 1, 15, 1 to 4, where the gospel is. I said, all that these people, preachers are preaching on the radio and stuff like that, this is the crust of it. Jesus died. He was buried. He rose again. He was glorified. He is still glorified. And if you like this, this is an option to you. You believe in your heart. You say it. That's it. That's to believe in your heart that this is the truth. And if you, if you have time, I'm going to go through, because by then I have had much apologetic material. So if, if you say, because Muslims actually say the Bible is corrupted. Mm-hmm. That's what I heard a lot when I was growing up. Now I can prove to them that the Bible cannot be corrupt, corrupted. Because if the Bible is corrupted, then the Quran is corrupted. Because the Quran says... Believe in the scriptures. Exactly. <laughs> right. That's I've, a dilemma. I've heard that. Yeah. Right, yeah, I've, I've heard yeah. that. Yeah. And matter of fact, this, this older man pointed me to some part of the Quran that got me crazy. Okay. Muslims, we say that Allah is one. Right, at least one, but Christians say that God, God is, is three. Well, well, we do say God is one as well. Yeah, but that He is yeah. three. So persons. they always say one plus one plus one is three. And this older man said, uh, took me to uh, Surah uh, one twelve, verse one, Quran chapter uh, 12, uh, one one hundred twelve verse one. It has one hundred fourteen chapters. So chapter one hundred twelve verse one it says that Allah is one. Okay, it says Allah is one. But he, it used the word 
Ahad. Had? Ahad. Ahad. Yeah. A-H-A-D. Ahad. 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 The Hebrew is Ahad. Ahad. Okay. Now, Ahad means one of. One of. Okay. So the man asked me, because there's a difference between, in, in Arab, there's Wahid. Wahid is one. W-A-A-H-I-D is one. Wahad. But Ahad is one of. So this old man said, okay, why is the Quran saying Allah is one of? One of what? One of what, which group? What, what, what is, is he one of? So I should not tell him that Allah is one, because that was my thing. It got me thinking a lot. Allah is one of. It's Ihad. Not, uh, it's not Wahid. There's a difference between Wahid and Ihad, or Ahad. It got me thinking. There was another point, uh, uh, verse that he pointed out. He said that, okay, I should tell him the sequence of the creation of the word. I think I went to chapter 40, uh, 42, something like that. And, and I narrated what, what happened. Then he took me another place. I think it was 71 or something like that. Okay, so in one ver- a chapter... This is the Quran we're talking about? Yeah, Okay. in the Quran. In one chapter, Allah created the heavens and the sequence to earth. Mm-hmm. In another chapter, he started with the earth and then created the he- heaven eventually. Backwards. But a, part, a verse in the Quran says that if this, Muhammad was saying that if this Quran is bad, there shouldn't be any contradiction. But these two chapters contradict each other. One says God create, uh, started with earth and went to heaven. And the other said God created heaven and then earth. Mm-hmm. So th- this, this, this is a contradiction, that, which means the Quran is null and void at this moment. That's what he told me. Mm. And he, keeps on, he kept on telling me things in the Quran that I, had, I knew how to read. Some of the Arabic I knew how to read, but I didn't understand. But this guy had read the English version and everything. It was pointing this thing out to me. So when I would go to my uncles and ask, they didn't know. They didn't know. And they would you know, blush it off or something like that. But later on, young guys who were coming up, so I, I would, there would be a time that I would, uh, you know, I had, I, after I had become a Christian, this man kind of, he wasn't, close to me, but what he had done for me or to me had opened my eyes to to critically read the Quran. I had an English version, of course. So I would read, and I would see so many things in there. I said, no, th- these things don't make sense. So when I gathered the young guys and pointed them out to them, some became angry. Mm-hmm. Others became kind of pensive or thinking about what, what I was saying. So yeah, I think eventually, though, what I realized was, if you if you really find a way to become, if you critique the Quran, it can do a lot to save people. Okay. Because what we were doing was we were embracing everything on wholesale basis, like whatever they told us was the, was the right, and no one had a chance to read and question back. But I, I was able to go to school so I could read. And understand and point out some things as the man had taught me. Your, your education was a real help. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's interesting, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I've 
kind of I've heard a lot of the. I mean, you're telling me a lot of flaws in Islam I wasn't aware of, but I I've had some really interesting conversations uh, with with some Muslim guys like yeah. in the barber shop or you know wherever. But um, yeah, I get really weird arguments. Oh, and don't go to the hadith. What's that? Hadith is the so the the Quran was according to Islam was revealed by Jibril, uh, Gabriel, Gabriel, yeah, to uh, a prophet, the prophet Muhammad. Uh huh. And then there were hadith. Hadith is uh, the doings, the sayings, the practices of the prophet. Right. Okay. And there were so much in there. So as we speak now, I think what two weeks ago. Prince bin Suleiman, uh, the prince of Saudi Arabia. Uh-huh. There was an interview that he, he granted. Uh, it's on YouTube, actually. He is planning to kind of make uh, uh, Mecca, Medina, into a big city, the biggest city in the world, according to him. Uh, but the, the, the target is uh, 2030. A lot of weird stuff going on in 2030. Yeah, yeah. he said that uh, 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 he wants to make that city to be the, the number one city in the world. And all the universities in that area should be the number one university in the world. But later on in the last part of the interview, they asked him, what about Wahhabism? Wahhabism, uh, you can say the, the terrorists or the people who want ever to be, to be a Muslim. Oh, kind of like like Sharia law, Wahab, like yeah. extremist, yeah. ISIS, that yeah. sort of thing? Yeah. Okay. And he was saying something like, oh, kind of, we're going to do away with that. And these things are in the, in the well, Hadith. Some of, most of this Wahhabism stuff are in the Hadith. And crazy stuff. Okay, so now, um, I, I guess what I'm saying is, this young prince, uh, prince, has got to know that stuff in the hadith are not are not painting Islam the right way. Mm. So let's get rid of get rid of them. Trying to rebrand and be it. Be like other West, Western countries. Okay. I, I think it's going to, there's going to be some kind of implosion somewhere sometime in the future because there are people who hold on to the hadith, and he's going to get rid of them. That that's going to cause a problem for Islam. Right. I guess we we Christians have a an advantage or, or an opportunity. When that happens, to step in, to let people know the right, the truth. And so, do you think the best way of doing that is to just point, like, to, would you say learn about Islam? Yeah, yeah. Learn the hadith, what they believe, what they believe, and then compare that to what the Bible says, yeah. and then say, hey, these two things don't mesh, because, like you said, yeah. the Quran itself says, listen to what the Bible says. Yeah. Yeah. But then they say, but the Bible's corrupted and it's wrong. Yeah. And then so then that means that Islam must be corrupted and wrong, right? It's so this this older man, another thing, he said uh, with the corruption thing. I, when I, I said that, I remember exactly where I was standing and I told him that. Mm-hmm. It was just, this was like an, a mile to the house. Mm-hmm. And when I said that, but your Bible is corrupted, so what, why are you preaching me from it? And he said, when was it corrected, corrupted? I said, well, it's corrupted. Who told you? I didn't have the answer. But because I had I'd been told that it was corrupted. Then he began to explain to me that Muhammad came about 600 years after the 
after the event, which is Christ had come and gone. Now, he said, he said uh, in one of the hadiths or so, there was a time the people, the Quraysh people, or the people in, in Muhammad's area, were accusing him of something. I think it was the Jews or whatever people. And he said, Muhammad put his hand, a pillow on the Bible, put his hand on it, and said, I swear on this Torah that something is good or something like that. So the man was asking me, if the Bible was corrupted by the time of Muhammad, why did he swear on it? I couldn't answer. Mm. I couldn't answer. So it means at the time of Muhammad, the Bible was true to Muhammad. So the, the question of when did it, was it corrupted? Was it after he, he died? Well, well, that, would, that would mean that at the time of Muhammad, he would have to agree with everything in the exactly. Bible. Exactly. So anything that's different about Islam would have had to have happened after Muhammad. After right? Muhammad. Mm. But another question is that the guy said that's the was that was the first time I heard of uh, uh, this guy's name Augustine. Augustine. Saint Augustine, Augustine, and then uh, Aquinas. Uh, yeah, Thomas Aquinas. Yeah. yeah, those people. He said, well, prior, before Muhammad came, there were some church fathers who preached from the Bible. They had they, they had all the uh, most of their preaching there, so he said uh, if uh, the Bible is corrupted, it must be after Muhammad because all these people's preaching are still there. They have the document, and even if you throw the Bible away, you're going to get it. And I did I didn't I wasn't sure about that, but as I came here, I heard people saying that I went into it and I said, oh okay, this man was knowledgeable by, back then. Okay, so the main question is, if the Bible is corrupted, when was it corrupted? Was it before Muhammad or after Muhammad? Because during Muhammad's time, he swore on the Bible, the Bible was true. Mm. So when was it corrupted? Right. As a Muslim, I couldn't answer. And I don't know if any Muslim can answer that. Right. Yeah. That's interesting, man. Yeah. I mean, I know there's a ton of arguments between Christianity and Islam. Like, I, I was just talking to a guy the other day that was telling me... Uh, like we got talking, he he was uh, Muslim, and he was talking about uh, Abraham, mm-hmm. and he starts telling me he's like, well, yeah, you know, like Christianity and Islam, we're we're pretty much the same thing, and I've heard that a million times, you know, and I'm like, okay, like just wanted to hear what yeah. he says, you know, he's a really nice guy, he's he's a really nice guy, but he uh, he starts talking and he says, yeah, like when when Abraham uh, was to sacrifice his son Ishmael, and I said, <laughs> what? And yeah. he said, yeah, he sacri- he's t- told to sacrifice Ishmael. I said, not in the Bible. Not in the Bible. He said, it's Isaac in the Bible. Yeah. I said, what? And so I just started like telling him what the Bible says. Yeah. And he, he starts telling me what happens in the Quran and how Abraham goes with, uh, is it Hag- Hagar? Yeah, yeah, Hagar. Yeah, yeah, Hagar. Yeah. Uh, he said Hagar, but yeah, uh, with Hagar, Hagar and uh, Ishmael to Mecca. And mm-hmm. that's when he builds Mecca. You know? And I'm like... This is so crazy. Like, yeah. it's like this close, you know, but it's not the same. <laughs> yeah. So uh, with that, so they say Abraham built the Kaaba. I knew that. They, that's what they told me. Abraham built the Kaaba. This Kaaba? A, Kaaba, the, the black stone. Is that a well? No, yeah, it's, a, it's a, a cube. It used to be a small thing, but now it's as big as this room. Okay. Is that, that near Mecca, though? It's in Mecca. It is in Mecca. Okay, that's, that's where what he was they go about. around when they go to Hajj. Gotcha. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's what he was talking about. Grandpa Yakub, 
told me that Abraham built it there because he was fond of gathering kids together to talk Islam to us. And he said that Abraham built that black stone. There was a calendar in his hall, and a black stone on it was on it. He said this was built by Abraham. Hmm. And I'm, I'm like, okay. So, but later on, the, the question I got to answer was, okay, when did he build it? When did Abraham build that that Kaaba? And with whom did he build? But previously, they had told me that Abraham built it with Ishmael or Ishmael. Now, Muslims say Ishmael is the father of the Arabs. Okay. Okay. And he went there, he and his father Abraham went there to establish, you know, the Kaaba and everything. But the Hadith also say that Ishmael married from the Arabs. So how is he the father of how the is he the father? and then married from them? From them. That's a contradiction. Mm, okay. That's a contradiction. So when you ask them, when, when they tell you that, okay, Ishmael was the sacrifice, whatever it is, okay, you want to go further and say, because they, 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 they claim their lineage to Abraham through Ishmael, because Ishmael is the father of the Arabs. But then Hadith said that Ishmael married one of the Arab and actually learned their language. From the, the Arabs. So how could he be the father? There could have been somebody in there before he even went there, right? Hmm. It's a question. So the, the, the point is, when, now when I read, the, I read the Quran, it's like, not to insult, but it looks like somebody doing cut and paste. Uh, cut and paste from, that's, that's, none of the chapters in the Quran is uh, they don't that complete, complete, except... Right. Chapter thirty-eight about Joseph going to uh, you know Egypt and stuff like that, but the rest of them talking about Ibrahim here, and then the next time is Mary, Miriam, and the next thing is Joseph all mixed together. There's no sequence in the story. There's no flow in the story. If you really want to read the Quran and with a real, a real thinking cup, you may get crazy because everything is jumbled up. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Interesting because when I was in it, I didn't see it. Right. But when I got out, I saw it. So something I'd kind of like to know your opinion on this, but um, I, I like the the logic behind um, like Muslims reading the Quran mm-hmm. seems a lot like the way Jews read the Torah. Yeah. Like there's it, it seems like um, well you you tell me because I don't know but like in, in Judaism. It seems like every rabbi's kind of got his own interpretation of things. Like, there's all these differing views, yeah. right? Is it like that in Islam? A lot. There, there was a fight, actually. There was a fight right after the death of the prophet. There was a fight between those who were following Ali and here and there. Yeah, I've heard about this. Because the the, the people, you know, that was about succession. Who is going to succeed the prophet? That was a fight. Okay. But there were other fights that came uh, uh, in terms of when when the uh, what do you, what do you call it uh, the Sunnis and the Shiites and the Shiites yeah. they are established now. But now, who, who whose interpretation do we give to the Quran? Right, because some because like it it, it seems like this side believes these yeah. guys are really following yeah. it correctly, yeah. and the, and so do they all think they're following Muhammad? They think. Okay, they think. Okay. Uh, but but uh, but I just want to say that uh, 
there are deficiencies in, in Islam more than Christian. I would say that. I'll bet that it, there are denominations. A lot. When you pick Shia, Shias and Sunnis, in, 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 within each of them, there are, there are subgroups. Mm-hmm. Lots of them. Okay. Yeah. It's not like just Shia and Sunni. Right. It's it's lots of smaller denominations. Yeah. Okay. Now, I, I, my experience is that when Islam moves out of Mecca, it becomes kind of adulterated or something like that. We, we keep on adding some because back home in my village, you know, we were, we had the malam, malam or let's say the medicine man okay. in Islam. Like a shaman? Shamans, yeah. They were doing juju stuff, you know, the voodoo stuff, in addition to their Islam. And they think it's part of it. But you wouldn't, you may not see that in Mecca or somewhere like right. that. Right. Yeah, so as, as, as it, it spreads, people are adding stuff. So once again, that sounds like Judaism with uh, the Kabbalah, yeah. right? With yeah. it, or Is that right? The Kabbalah, like the black magic yeah. incorporated yeah. or whatever you want to call exactly. it. Yeah, that's interesting, man. Yeah, and it, like you know, you can you can pick two imams or sheikhs, and they will interpret one chapter differently. Even not even a chapter, a verse differently. Mm-hmm. You, you can go to you know maybe one of the their websites, and once the same Quran verse has been translated differently. On on, on the same verse, like it could be ten or something something like that. With different opinions, something, you know. So, for instance, chapter 4, verse 171. It's a polemic on your side against Christianity. It says that all Christians don't say, don't don't continue to err. Your God, it's, it's, Jesus is not, Jesus is just a messenger. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, one interpretation or translation would say, Jesus is just a messenger. The Spirit of God, Ruhala. Messenger, a spirit, a word from Allah. Other translation may not add. It will say just a command of God, a message of God, without saying he's the you know he's the messengers of God, something like that. So, so it's like some some would put him like higher than others. Others, okay, others. But uh, all of them, the goal is to discredit, create. Yeah. Discredit Christianity. Well, uh, Islam doesn't even believe that Jesus died, right? That no, he was crucified? They don't believe that? They don't believe in that. Which is really strange to me because I feel like that's the one thing most people aren't going to debate. You know, like even people that don't believe Jesus is God usually are like, yeah, I believe somebody named Jesus got crucified. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's it's really interesting yeah. that they would just wipe that part out. Yeah, but they believe Jesus is still alive. They do so. They believe he ascended. He he, he was caught up. Okay. They also actually say that. So when they were about to crucify him, Allah deceived the people and replaced somebody who looked like Jesus. Oh, so they do account for it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so that's the explanation. Okay, I didn't know that. So somebody who looked like Jesus, Allah de- deceived the people and gave them that person, and he took Jesus up. How funny though, because it is God. God's not a deceiver. That's the question. That's the question. <laughs> so they make Allah a, de- a deceiver. Mm. Trying to, you know, a, a lie is a lie. If you try to sugarcoat it, whatever you want it, eventually going to, you know, boomerang on, on your face or something like that. They were trying to explain away what happened. Now they are calling the Allah a deceiver. Interesting. Interesting. 
actually, a, a verse in the Quran says, Allah is the best deceiver. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We got a few other names for the deceiver in the Bible, <laughs> but I don't, yeah. think, I don't think we generally call him Allah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, man, that's interesting. I So like, I feel like we could sit here and just talk about yeah. like discrepancies between the two all day. But like when it comes to winning souls to Christ, it sounds to me like you put a focus on going and trying to love people. Yeah. Like you went to these people that you cared about and you told them the truth. And I'm sure that was very hard considering yeah. like, I mean, you were coming from a Muslim culture yeah. in which that's not okay, right? It's that's not okay to no, be Christian. Never. Um, and so, I mean, was that hard to go to them and to sit them down and talk to them? Um, were you scared? I think I wasn't scared. They knew me. I knew them. I knew their tricks. I was one of them who was, I was organizing fight parties with them and everything. They knew, they knew me. Uh, what get me the advantage, I think, was the education that I talked about. Mm-hmm. They didn't know. Right. So I knew how to read. At a point in them, I was the only person in my village who was reading, you know, newspaper. Okay, I would I would walk like two and a half miles or so to the next town to get a newspaper on Saturdays to read. And I would explain to my family and people around what was happening in the nation. You know, so the people trust me in that aspect. They knew you were educated. Exactly. They they, they knew that you yeah. weren't just some stupid guy, yeah. right? <laughs> like, yeah. So that helps. Yeah. So that helped me when 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 I put a question before that they knew I because the, the Quran is my hand. I said, look, this Quran, I didn't make this Quran. My uncle Hazrat gave it to me. His name is on, in it. And I'm reading from it. If anybody wants to read, that's fine. And I would point things to them. And I would use a Bible to counter and say, no, this is what the Bible says. The Bible says this is what your Quran says. And some would. I think uh, people who pushed back were, the thing is ingrained in them. It's part of them. How can we change it? How, when, if we change it, what are we going to do? Okay, and then there's also fear of the elders in a village that if if they because they, they some some saw what I was going through, and so people didn't want to go th- through what I was going through. Right. But uh, I, I thank God that I went through that, and where where I am now, when I go back, they see the difference. Yeah, there were people that I left behind. Yeah, the life is not really good. So it appears to them that because I went the Christian route, this is what I am now. Right. They should have done that. And young people, so as, I, as we speak now, okay, so previously it was like 70, 80% Muslim and about 30% voodoo worship. Mm-hmm. And it, among them, we can have, a, or between the groups, we can have intersection of people who do, who do both. Okay, there wasn't many Christians in my village. It might be two, three, or something like that. But as we speak, it has turned the other way around. More Christians in my village. Really? Yeah. More, more than Christians. not. More, more than more than it used to be. It's it's now like uh, let me say. I mean, the old people, old Muslims, kind of stuck that, in their ways, or who as it, uh, had influence are dead and gone, apart from. People in my uncle's uncle's age, they are in the 60s and 70s. 
they are there, but they are not really as rich. So they don't exert much influence anymore. So now, you cannot use your cocoa money, because we produce cocoa and stuff like that. You cannot use it to, you know, push people down anymore. We, I'm doing something else. I'm not depending on the farm money. So you cannot say that if you don't go to the mosque, you're not going to get money. You know, <coughs> excuse me. In my, when I came here for master's program, I was expecting some money from Ghana. I didn't get it. But uh, it, it's, it's, I don't know if, if it, it's because of what went, wrong, went, on, went on in the 90s or something like that. I don't want to blame anybody. But I can still sense that when you don't want to be a Muslim, they want to deprive you of certain things. That may be the reason why some people are still Muslims. Mm. But people who uh, can do things on their own, when they, they had a chance, they moved away from Islam. Because Islam puts so much control on you, and you don't have liberty to do so many things. A Christian is a liberty, and that's what we get from Christ, liberty. So, okay. Yeah. So, um, and that actually leads me to a question I wanted to ask you. Um, me and Randy, Randy's uh, the guy that added you on LinkedIn. Okay. Um, <laughs> he's he's kind of my usual like co-host on here. Okay. Um, we were talking about evangelism mm-hmm. and how when you when like we talk about what Christ did for us, yeah. like here in Western culture, we look at it as oh he died to forgive us of our sins. So yeah. it's like a shame. Um, a shame, um, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Like forgiveness kind of okay. thing, right? Um, but then some cultures, it would be more of like, it, it would be more like honor-based, right? Okay. And some it would be like um, free versus slave, yeah, right? Mm-hmm. So like here, it's more about like right versus wrong. Mm-hmm. In Ghana, is it more about like being forgiven or is it more like about being freed? Or yeah. is it more about, like, honor, shame kind of thing? Does that make sense? Yeah, it makes sense, but it depends on the, the locality. So it's kind of tribe versus yeah. tribe? Exactly, and the city versus rural areas. Yeah. In the rural area, okay, it was both honor and freedom, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Because um, when it comes to freedom in my village, we were free, all right. Mm-hmm. But then... There was so much control from the elders based on Islamic values. Mm-hmm. Do this. If you don't do this, you are an outcast. Okay. Once people become a Christian in my village, no more. You don't have that control exactly. on me anymore. Yeah. Hmm. And it used to be that, okay, if, if, uh, if you are no more Christian, you are an outcast. So you don't have honor among us. But... We Christians, we rather, okay, when we become a Christian in my village now, because of more teaching going on, we feel like we are free. And so that's better than honor that I would receive from my elders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's what I'm saying. It's a mixture of honor. And, and you receive it. honor in Christ, right? Exactly, like, yeah. It's not about man's yeah. honor anymore. Yeah. 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 I, uh, I was telling uh, one young guy that, so, I didn't die for my sin. And that's what they don't believe in. Islam doesn't believe that somebody should die for another. But I, I did say something else, something against it. 
because they don't they don't understand why it, Jesus died for somebody. They don't understand that. They don't get it, and they don't accept it. But part of the hadith says that sinners will die for righteous people. They say that in the last day, sinners will be rep- used to replace. So uh, sinners, like if a, a, a Muslim is going to, is being prevented from going to heaven or Jannah, a sinner's life can use, be used to replace that. Oh, Okay, yeah. so it's like they replace yeah. the need for Christ. Yeah. yeah, but but then they don't accept that Christ should die for somebody. Right. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense. But that's what they believe. Okay. It's a so it's like when they see it suitable, they say something, and that's what actually what the prophet did when he was in Mecca at the beginning. Muhammad. Right. Muhammad. Okay. Gotcha. And he didn't have the control. His people, the Qureshi people, were against him. The Jews were against him. The Nasara people, the Christian people, whoever they were, were against him. He was. He wants the Jews. That's when he, he swore on the Bible. The Bible is the truth. But when he went, when he came back to Medina, he went to Medina and came back. So actually, let me back up a little bit. I said, at a point in time, he was a refugee. He was a refugee among the Jews. And I want to, from what I'm reading now, it looks like that Arab Peninsula was there were more Jews than even Arabs there at that point in time. So how could how could Muhammad? Because most of the people that were having a interaction with with him were Jews in the Quran. Where were these people? Well, going back to my story, when he gained control, he now would not accept the Bible again. When he, did, he didn't have the power, he would go to the Jews and seek help. Mm-hmm. But when he gained power, he said, everybody's died. That was the divide. Yeah, mm. everybody's died. Okay. That's, that's Islam. Okay. Westerners who, want, who are willing to receive Islam, assume Islam is peace, I hope it doesn't happen. But wait until they gain power and they are in charge. It's different. It's different. Yeah. It's different. Okay. I've seen that in, in my village. Absolute power yeah. corrupts, absolutely, yeah. right? Yeah. There's yeah. a difference. One, they gain power. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing about the way the United States was built, was it was built knowing that when one person gets too much power, yeah. Yeah. they get corrupted, and so it was the power was divided, you yeah. know, so you couldn't do that. Yeah. And now we're kind of drifting away from that, right? Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, that's interesting, man. I, I do want to ask you, uh, we'll kind of be wrapping up here in a few, okay. but, uh, you know, tell people where you're at now. What are you doing now? Yeah, so now I am a pastor. Um, I, uh, well, I had my PhD in assessment of, mainly I did uh, statistics, so I use, I use it for psychometrics, which is developing of exams or examinations, mm-hmm. but I love to preach. I love to teach people the word of God because based on what my experience, I, would, I don't want people to remain ignorant about what's going on. And so now I, I went through, after my education, I went through Bible training and I'm a pastor now. Uh, I am, I'm leading a, young, a small African group up north in the Westfield area. Uh, we're using somebody's uh, building for uh, church services. It's in the afternoons. But uh, we, we would love to have 
a, a place where we can do it in the morning because, well, I, I know that some of my members go to work overnight mm -hmm. and come in like in the morning, like six, seven, eight, something like that. But I still want, they, they say that they would wish to meet like 10, 30, 11. By then they, they might have slept for one or hour or so and be able to come. So we, we need our own place. Mm -hmm. That's what we're doing now. We're looking for, hopefully after COVID and everything, everything is open up, we may have a place for that. Yeah, and anybody listening right now, if you know of anywhere. <laughs> anywhere, anywhere in the Westfield, uh, Carmel area, if you have a, uh, what do you call it, a, a venue, yeah. we, we, we would love to use that. Yeah, yeah, and we'll get you some information. Uh, well, yeah, if you know anything, hit us up at uh, saltysaints at becomehope.com yeah. or uh, questions at becomehope.com. Let us know if you got anything or if you've got any questions about the podcast, of yeah. course. But, uh, yeah, so you're a pastor, you're leading a church, you're – you got a PhD. That's huge. Um, I, I, I'm ready to tap on a bachelor's, man. I'm terrified. Um, but so to anybody listening right now, you, I, I've noticed you've put a great emphasis on the need for apologetics yeah. to know what you're talking about mm -hmm. and to communicate with people, to yeah. talk to people, even if even if it's a hard talk. Because, I mean, yeah, preaching Christ yeah. isn't easy, you know. Yeah. But uh, what, what, what advice would you give? So... Uh, at the moment, I think it's that's a, not not just the moment. There's been a competition be, between Islam and Christianity. Right, and I mean be, beyond Islam, even. Yeah. I'm, I'm just talking yeah. people in general. But sorry, I don't mean to cut so, you. So uh, to Christians, uh, I wish people would read more on, you know, in, in Islamic materials. Just acquaint yourself with them, because. I hear some Christians say, oh, we are going to have, we are God's people or something like that. Kind of equating Islam and Christianity. No, there's a difference. There's much big difference between the group, the groups. So get to know what each of them believe in. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that will let you know what's going on now. Because you cannot just say, oh, we are the same. We are humans. Mm -hmm. We all bleed, you know, blood and everything. But when it comes to faith, we have different faith altogether. The things that make us Christians, that's not the thing that, that makes them Muslims. Actually, what makes us Christian put them like, uh, makes them angry. It, it, most, you know, after let's say 9 11, something like that, most Muslims were coming out and say, We are peaceful and everything. But if you know what they believe in and you begin to question them, you will know what will happen. They become angry. It doesn't matter who, you know, uh, one uh, one uh, session of Islam, which is a bit uh, more peaceful, is the Ahmadis. The you know them? No. The Ahmadis, uh, the leader was uh, uh, Mirza Ghulam. He was, uh, he was from uh, Pakistan. And that was 18-something. He said, uh, you know, Islam says that the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. They don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah, but the Messiah, even though they say he's the Messiah in the Quran, but they say Messiah is coming for the second time. Okay, mm. that's what they say. The Messiah is coming for the second time. And Ahmed Ghulam says that he is the Messiah. Okay. So he had a following, and his followers are the Ahmadis. Gotcha. They came from they they, they came from uh, Pakistan. And uh, the interesting is that uh, I read a story. In one of the books that I had, he said he could perform 
miracles just like Christ Jesus. And overnight, when he, when he got up in the morning, there, were, there was lines in front of his house, people who were sick, coming for, you know, what do you call it, a miracle, miracle something like yeah. that. He, he ran away. Oh, he ran away. And interesting thing that he died of, out of cholera or diarrhea. Okay. You know, like uh, somebody who claims that he's the Messiah. But he, he still, I mean, these are also big. Maybe one billion dollars, a billion people. Maybe, I don't know. But there are a lot of medis around. Okay. So this is part of it. But uh, uh, the, the main thing is that you read, get time to read. Now that we have internet access to everything, read their materials and know what they really believe in. Yeah. And know what we believe, right? I believe in, yeah. That, I think that's our biggest flaw so often yeah. is we don't even know what we believe. Yeah. We, we think we do. Yeah. <laughs> we got a good idea, but we, yeah. we, we listen more to what other people say yeah. we believe than what we actually read, what we learn. I say that because when, when you read more, this, the, the, it, it creates kind of a love in your heart for them. Yeah. You get to know that these people are lost, really lost, really, really lost. There are people who are lost just like, I don't believe in Christ. I, but there are people that you see that they are really, really lost because they, cl- they are clinging on something that is a, a, dece- a deception. You know, so, somebody, like, somebody says, I'm not a Christian. I don't want to be a Christian. Get out of here. I understand. But someone who says, I believe in this, so I don't believe in Christianity. But that, that thing that he believes in is a deception. That's, that's worse. So that, that creates in me a, a heart for them. That I really have to let them know what's going on. And, and I think what you're saying, I mean, it can be applied to anybody, yeah. not, just, not just Islam. You know, yeah. like no matter what somebody believes, take, a, take the time to get to know that person yeah. and what they believe yeah. and why they believe it. Yeah. It's kind of like the whole, like, pray for your enemies thing. I once heard it said, you know, it's really hard to hate somebody that you pray for every night. Yeah, exactly. You know, you know and, that, and that's the thing. Like, we are called to love everybody. Yeah. And what better way to love somebody than to know what they believe and why they believe yeah. it? doesn't mean you have to believe it, yeah. but it'll help you talk to them about yeah. Christ. Yeah. So my, my mom doesn't like my two uncles, Muslim uncles. Because of how they treated me and how they still treat me, she doesn't understand why I still love them. And when I send money home, I say, make sure he gets this, he gets that. She doesn't understand. I say, so I tell her that I'm a Christian. I'm doing what Christ tells, tells me to do. You do yours. When I give you money, give them their share. She doesn't understand. I guess she has, she has to grow in Christ. But, but yeah, it's, I, I do that for the love. That Christ has placed in my heart for them, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. So they 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 need love, what, whether or not they deserve it. Exactly, that's love. Yeah. You, you give it out yeah. regardless. Regard. Christ says that why Jesus, the Bible said why we were yes sinners. So that is why I I, I don't. When, when there's a problem with me and somebody, like Christ did, while I was yet a sinner, He came to love me. So I don't have to wait for my friend or whoever is, uh, has done something against me to come and beg. While he still has done something against me, I have to go to the person right. and love on that, that person. That's how it's supposed to be. That's what I think. That's perfect, dude. Yeah. Yeah. That's great, man. <laughs> you got you got any anything else, man? I think that we, we covered uh, 
Yeah, a lot. That, a lot of bases. That's a lot. But any anytime you want me to come over, absolutely, yeah, man. I would, I, I would love to talk to you more. Yeah. But uh, it, yeah, talk about we can talk about some unseen realm stuff. Sometime. <laughs> I'd like that. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah. Well, uh, Richard, thank you so much for coming in. You bet. And talking, telling your faith story. Um, thank you guys for listening to Salty Saints podcast once again. Like I said. Uh, any questions, anything you'd like to let us know, you can let us know at questions at becomehope.com or salty saints at becomehope.com. Uh, that's the emails. Uh, give us a rating um, or leave us a, a comment, like, subscription, whatever you're watching on, listening on right now. Other than that, stay salty. Has fear stolen your peace? I'm Jennifer Slattery, lead host of the Faith Over Fear podcast, helping you fight your fears and grow your faith. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.